Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. My title this morning is called, It Is For You. And we're looking from Acts 1.8 this month, and I'd like to read it to you. It says these words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What a cool promise. This morning I want to talk about, I'm going to pull three words out of that verse that's going to talk about the fact that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you and it's for me. And the first word on there is you. Pretty cool. If you have a look through that Bible verse three times, Jesus, when he's speaking to the disciples, just before he goes up into heaven, and it's really crazy because in the next Bible verse, they, they just say the words, they say, hey, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus says, not for you to know the times, but you will be empowered. You will receive the Holy Spirit. You. It's a great promise that you will receive the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a little bit about my journey to baptism in the Holy Spirit, how, I, how, how it first happened for me. When I was growing up, we grew up in, in what you'd call traditional churches, so Anglican churches, Brethren churches, Baptist churches, those kind of ones. And, and so when I got saved at the age of 19 years of age, I, I remember saying to my mum, because I, I started reading at Mark, I don't know why, when I first got saved, I started reading Mark, and I'd probably, when I first got saved, I'd read the Bible for about an hour and a half every night, and I'd just be reading and reading, so I started at Mark, and I got to Acts, and I got to probably in, in Acts, and it talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I remember, I talked to my mum, she's been to Bible college, so I walked down to mum, I said, mum, what's this thing about baptism in the Holy Spirit? I said, is that for us, or is that something that died out with the apostles when they when they all died. And mom, it's not her fault, but because of her upbringing and the Bible college she went to, she said, yeah, once all the apostles died, it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't needed anymore. Which I think is a crazy thought. Because if anyone, now they needed it, just like Dylan said last week, they, they needed it, but if you were here Sunday night, but if anybody didn't, out of everybody in the whole of the existence of the church and Christianity, if there was a group of people who didn't, it would have been the 11 that was with Jesus when he lived for those three and a half years doing ministry. So how much more do we need baptism in the Holy Spirit? How much more do we need the power of God to be witnesses for him? So as I, as I did that, I remember I said, okay, and I went back up. But see, God was doing something in my heart at that point. Then I left home, and, and God, when I, when I left home, I was allowed to go to church for the first time. So I, I went to church, and for some, for some amazing reason, it's pretty cool, because I think if I'd gone to any other church, I'm not sure I would have made it the distance, but I, I found myself in a Pentecostal church in the land of Pentecost. And as I'm in there, I remember my first Sunday, or it might have been my second or third, the pastor says to me, she says, Jason, come on up, I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to speak in tongues. I remember thinking, I don't want that. That's crazy. That's the stuff you see on TV. And, and, and still, I, I didn't really believe in it at that time. And 
I remember sitting there and going, I don't want it, I got prayed for. Now, I don't believe that first time I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. If you don't want something, he's not going to press himself upon you. And so from that moment on, God started to work in my heart until probably a month or two or three months later, we had a guest preacher who was actually Pastor Peter Patterson who comes and uh, he's one of our uh, missionaries that we support and comes here from time to time. He was at our church and he gave an invitation. Who would like baptism in the Holy Spirit? I said, yep, that's for me this time. I came up, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, which is the, the initial evidence that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that, the rest is history. That was the moment. But in that moment, I learned that baptism in the Holy Spirit's for me. It's not just for the people on the platform. It's not just for people that you see. It's not just for the missionary. It's not just for the evangelist. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the, the, the super holy person that comes in. It's for every single person in the church. It's for every single Christian who wants it. It's for everyone who desires baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's for you, the school teacher. It's for you, the mom and dad. It's for you, the principal. It's for you, the mine worker. It's for you, the day laborer. It's for every single person here. When I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was just Jason, the son of a fish and chip shop owner, whose highlight for the week, because I was unemployed, was Thursdays on Dole Day, I get to, uh, every second Thursday, I got to go and have Chinese smorgasbord. That was my highlight. But I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's for you. It's for me. It's for normal people. And I, I think that's a mindset that for some people that needs to change and, and say, you know what? God wants that for me. If you have a look in the Bible, you see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened for normal people, not just the apostles. There's the story of Cornelius. We know the story. He gets a vision. He says, go and send for Simon. Peter, who's at Simon the Tenor's house, and, and, and go and send for him. Now, he was, a, he was what's called a Gentile, which means he wasn't Jewish. So he went and sent some, some people to go and get Simon. And, and the really cool thing is, as they were on the way, Peter has this vision. He's hungry. Simon, who he's staying with, was maybe making some steak burgers or something downstairs and smelling really good. And he starts having this vision because he's hungry, and he sees this sheet come down out of heaven. And it's all these foods that they're not allowed to eat because they're Jewish. They're Israelites. It'd be unclean. And, and he hears Jesus' voice. He says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. I, I'm not, I, I can't eat anything that's unclean. I've never eaten anything unclean. And Jesus says to him, he says, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. Little did he know that he was talking about, not about food, but about people. And there comes this really cool moment where God's already worked on Peter's life. The people knock on the door. Peter goes with them, goes back to Cornelius. Cornelius is a centurion in the Roman army. And he comes there. The, the Bible says Peter came, started telling them all about Jesus. They got saved. And then in the next moment, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he goes back, I want to read this Bible verse to you. It's really cool. It says these words. It says, The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. 
For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, for they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Everyone got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Another guy is by the name of Stephen. Stephen's a guy in the Bible who he's a deacon. He's not a, he's not a pastor. He's not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's not a teacher. He's just a guy that's been asked to serve in the life of the church. And the Bible says about him that he was full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Another place that says he was full of power. And there's this really cool moment. He's out there, and, and through him, God's using him to do amazing miracles, amazing healings, amazing wonders. Yet he's not one of the apostles. He's just a guy who's serving. Isn't that an amazing thing to see in the Bible? He's just a guy who's, he's no one special. But he is special in God's eyes. But to man, you'd say, you know what, he's not that special. He's just a normal guy. Then God uses him. When, when, the, when they're about to stone him to death, God uses him to preach the gospel, and amazing things take place there. Saul's watching, and, and this is the moment, the first moment in his life where God starts to speak to Saul and starts him on the, on the path to conversion. Because God uses normal people. Me and you, baptism of the Holy Spirit's for us. Empowering from God is for us. It's for you. It's for me. When we have a look in the Bible, whenever people got saved, the apostles would go to the town and they'd pray that they'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the really cool picture is that's when the church exploded. At that moment, when every person that was saved would then be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when the church grew. And that's the key. When the church grows, when people are empowered by God to be used by Him. Every single person, the rank and file, member in the church. Have a look. Smith Wigglesworth, one of my favorite guys to read about. He was just a plumber. He was a plumber. And he was hungry for God. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then God used him to do some amazing wonders and some amazing miracles. Like people were healed. People were set free. I remember reading one story about how there was this lady in a, in, a, in a restaurant. He was just walking through the restaurant. He saw this person who had this massive cancer growing out of their face. So he just walked up in the name of Jesus, put the cancer on the table, and just kept on walking. But he was a, plum, he was a plumber. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God used him. So this morning, I just want to encourage you and I. Let's, let's get into God's presence and be hungry for His empowerment. Because God wants to give it to you. He wants to change your life. He wants to fill you with the power of God. So that you can be His witness to the rest of the world. So you can change your world. The second thing is this. The second word in there, when it comes back up, Dun, 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 dun. Now you're all right, mate. All right, is power. Are you having some difficulty? No, we're back. Is power. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. At my house right now, I have a ride-on mower that I bought for $100. It's pretty good. 
because I don't like pushing the backyard. My yard is huge. It's a huge backyard, if you've seen my yard. Yeah, it's just a normal house block. Yeah, but it's still big and and the grass gets long and it's hard to push with the push mower. So I bought from a neighbor across the road a mower for $100. And it doesn't run because there, there's something wrong with the fuel. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that it runs. I don't have to push the right on. So there's something wrong with the fuel. There's water or there's dirt. Uh, Uncle Daryl has to come over after every time I use it and clean the carby out for me because it's not working. We've got to pump the fuel out. There's something wrong with the fuel. See, that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is fuel so that we can go out and be his witnesses. It's power. When I was building, when I, when I, I gave my, my dog to my mum. Now, the reason I had to give my dog to my mum is because it kept getting out. It was like the Houdini of dogs. I called it Obi, but I should have called it Houdini. And it was crazy. We would lock it in the, in the laundry in a two-story house. Renee and I would be watching TV, look at the front door. He'd be standing there because he'd jumped out the window two stories, ran around the front. He got hit by a car, was drugged up. Where, well, I locked him in the laundry to recover. Again, he's at the front door. He had to get one of those, you know, those pot plant looking things around his neck so he wouldn't chew on the his stitches and stuff. Again, somehow he got through the gap in the window, jumped out, ran around. He was at the front door. He just got missed by hitting by a bus, so I had to give him to my mum. So I gave him to mum and I said, I'll build you an electric fence so he doesn't get out. I built an electric fence. So I started building it. Now, you've got to remember, I'm not good with manual labor stuff. We all know that. So I've built this fence, and I'm, I'm really happy with it. Then I put the little plastic things for the, for, the, for the fencing all the way around. I set the, you know, the tape for the electrical fence? You got the tape? I put the tape out, and I had all this extra tape on the ground. So I said, ah, oh, okay, I better roll that all up. But I hadn't turned off the electric fence yet. I get the tape and I start rolling the tape up. Next minute, I'm, the, I'm on the ground going. <laughs> so I, I wake up and I'm pulsing on the ground. I go, flip, I'm being electrocuted by the electric fence. <laughs> I, I, I'm fortunate not to have a heart attack, I guess. I drag myself out from under the, under the tape, go and turn off the power. And I realized, man, I could have died. I'm not good at building electric fences, was my next thought. Should have got my brother to do it. Holy Spirit's the same. The power of God can be experienced and felt. When people go down in the Holy Spirit, if you're new to church and people are prayed for and they fall down, it's us experiencing and feeling the presence of God. When... When, you, when, you, when you're spending time in God's presence, you, you feel the anointing. You feel His presence on your life, and, and, and it changes you, and it, 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 it opens up your heart, and it does things to us because the presence of God and, his, and who He is, you, you feel it. It changes us. We experience God's presence. One of my favorite movies is Lincoln. I love, I love Lincoln. I, I, whoever I can get to come over and watch it, I'll get them to come over and watch it. But they're very nice people. You can tell they're bored, but they like me, so they stay and watch it. 
But there's this one scene in the movie that's really cool. And uh, he uses every other, if you watch the movie, he uses every other form of leadership. But when that's not working to get the 13th Amendment passed, which is the abolition of slavery in America, uh, when he can't do it, he uses authority. And he stands up at the table because the people tell him his, his cabinet, so that's the Secretary for Defense, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Secretary of State, they say, look, we j- you just can't get it passed. You can't get enough numbers in, in Congress in order to pass it because they need a two-thirds majority to pass a change to the Constitution. And he, he stands up. It's a powerful moment in the movie. And he slams his fingers on the table. He goes, I am the President of the United States. Clothed in immense power, you will procure me that vote. And I wanted to stand up and go, come on. But it's a great illustration of what God does in our life too. He was clothed in power because of the constitution, because man had given him power. But when we get into God's presence, he clothes us in power. He clothes us in authority. You know, man can give you a certain amount of authority, but it's nothing in comparison to the power and the authority that comes on us when we get into his presence. And we can walk into any circumstance in our life, into any environment, into any workplace, into any school, and know that we walk in there clothed in immense power, able to take authority over things, able to stand against the enemy and declare, you will not come any further against my friends. You will no longer mess up my kids. You'll no longer mess up my wife's life. You'll no longer mess up my school. You'll no longer have authority in bold. You'll no longer have authority because the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we have authority over the enemy. So I wanted to share a little bit about what does that What does that power look like? What does the power of the Holy Spirit look like? And and the the way we see it, the way it manifests, I I believe, is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. It says these words. It's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. So here's what I wanted to do this morning. I want to break them all down for you because I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian for 18 years and I I only just now am starting to understand what each of those are. And I think if we understand what they are and we get an understanding, we can actually see maybe God's already been using you in your world in these areas or when God speaks to you, you go, hey, actually God's using me in this gift. So the first one that says there is wisdom. Now an illustration of this is when Jesus is there and they bring the the woman who's caught in adultery and they throw him down at his feet and Jesus says the words, he that is without sin, throw the first stone. And you see that they all start to go away and they start to leave. And who who could have thought of that? You need, only the Holy Spirit can give you stuff like that. What a great thought. In that moment, here's a woman, she's about to die and Jesus says, He that's without sin, throw the first stone. Because Jesus is always about, and the gifts of the Spirit are always about restoring people, healing people, giving people hope, seeing people's lives change, drawing them more to Jesus. That's why he gives us the gifts. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you grace and love. 
Another one you can also see in the Old Testament because people in the Old Testament are all also given the gifts. You have a look at Solomon. The Bible says about Solomon, there's no one more wise than him in the history of the world. There's one moment in the Old Testament where Solomon was given the gift of wisdom by God. And then there's another moment when this, these two women came who both have babies. One lady rolled on top of her baby and it died. So the other one was still asleep. So the one whose baby was dead got up and swapped the babies over. And then they both come to Solomon and say, hey, here's the problem. And Solomon goes, get me a sword. We'll chop the baby in half. You can have half and you can have the other. And the, and the woman whose baby was still alive, she said, no, no, you take the baby. At least, at least the baby's still going to be, be alive. That's better than a dead baby. And the one whose baby was dead said, yep, yeah, chop it in half. If you don't get it, I don't. That's wisdom. The next one is words of knowledge. Words of knowledge is some stuff where if you've seen the story of Jesus, when Jesus is at the well and that lady comes along and, she, and Jesus is hungry and he's tired. And he says, if you knew who I was, I could give you living water. And she said, and, and it comes to the point, and the story goes along, and Jesus says, Jesus talking to her, and the lady says, oh, I, I don't have a husband. He says, it's true what you say, because you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now isn't your husband. That's a word of knowledge. She gave him no information, but she, word of knowledge. And then if you have a look, if you keep reading the story, that lady realizes, hey, you must be Jesus. You must be the Savior. You must be the redeemer of Israel, and she goes back and she brings all the people to Jesus from her town. See, again, that's what word of knowledge is for, bring people to Jesus. Because someone was given a word of knowledge, people were brought to Jesus. The next one is faith. Peter walking on water, gift of faith. And that's what the gift of faith is for. It's enabling us as Christians to be able to do stuff that seems impossible to man. So for me, one of the examples was that when I was a youth pastor, God spoke to me and said, you're going to have a, a great youth ministry. It's going to be really big. You know, he, he spoke to me some promises, but then there came some faith and some substance on the inside. So I was able to walk in that faith, regardless of what my circumstances, when they told me differently, no, God, you told me. Another time when we moved to Bowen, had no job. We were already renting a house, but God said, to me, I knew inside that you'll have a job. So I was able to make those steps. So that's, the, that's when you're moving in the gift of faith. The next one is this, healing. P- hear people like Tim Hall, praise for someone who doesn't have an eye, only got one eye, the other, the other eye socket is empty, all of a sudden an eye forms and they've got two eyes. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I, I was reading we went to a men's conference in um, Mackay, and, and the, the pastor there who was talking, whose name is Fred Porter, he's coming to preach at our youth soon, next term. And, but he was sharing a story about before he was a pastor, they asked him to preach in China. And again, there was a lady there who, whose eye was white, I think it was. It was actually not much of an eye there. It was just like white, no pupil, no coloring. And and, and the, he prayed for the lady and just kept walking, and she screamed at him and said, I thought you, you were going to bring revival. God told me you'd bring revival. So I said, I better keep praying for you. Prayed for this lady three more times. Next minute, the eye formed in her head, and she had a pupil and had coloring. That's pretty cool. I was, I was reading about John G. Lake just last night. This guy, John G. Lake, God used him to do amazing miracles. One that I thought was pretty cool was 
there was this lady who had no female organs inside. They prayed for her. Next minute, she's able to have children. Healing. That's the gift of healing. And, and you have a look at Ben. Uh, not Ben, sorry. Uh, Bo. God uses Bo and other people in this church to pray for people and see healing because God's using them in the gift of healing in their life. Uh, let's have a look at some others. We've got... Um, got Peter and John, the beggars, and we've got Miraculous Power. One of my favorite Smith Wigglesworth stories is the one where they're driving between one town and the other, and the car runs out of fuel, and the pastor's embarrassed, and, and Smith Wigglesworth says to him, says, uh, you got any water? He says, yep. He says, pour it into the petrol tank. So they pour the water into the petrol tank. He does it because he doesn't want to say no to Smith Wigglesworth. He says, start the car. Doesn't start. Try again. Praise. Try again. The car starts up. They drive into town. On the Monday, he gets the car checked out, and it turns out there was not one drop of water in the car. That's miraculous power. When Moses touches a rock with his staff and the rock splits and water pours out, that's miraculous powers. When you have a look at Moses, he passed the Red Sea. That's miraculous powers. I think that would be so cool. Prophecy. When you get a cool word for someone, maybe... So, you know what, God said, you know what, I see your life's pretty messed up right now, but God says that it's going to get better, that your life's going to change, that there's going to be, he- there's going to be healing in your life. When you see pastors who come like, um, what's the pastor we get, Pastor John here? Phalene Sparks, she moves in that heaps. So that's a great example of that. And then there's distinguishing spirits. A lot of the time, we, when it comes to distinguishing spirits, if you've been in Pentecost for any length of time, we think it's about, oh, that person's got a demon. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. It's, it's being able to sense when the Holy Spirit's doing something. I, I, I'm reading a book by the, at the moment by Phil Pringle called Moving in the Spirit, and one of the things he says in that, he says, when there's an anointing for salvation, salvation comes easy. When there's an anointing for healing, healings come easy. And part of uh, being able to distinguish spirits is knowing when that anointing is in. So it's not just about in church. It's when you're talking to your neighbor and all of a sudden you feel an anointing for healing or for salvation. You go, hey, would you like to to know Jesus? Would you like to get to know him? He's done so many amazing things in my life. This is what he's done. And then all of a sudden they get saved because you were able to, Hey, God's doing something in this place. Then there's speaking into, then there's uh, various tongues, which I'm not going to get into too much because I'm running short on time. And then there's also interpretation of tongues. So what you might see in church, again, someone might call out in tongues and you go, there's someone and they're speaking a tongue and then someone else might go, God is saying this and they're just interpreting what somebody else has called out. And so I said, I told you all about that thing because I think when we hear about it, it makes it a little bit easier. And the key to being able to function in those things is just spending time with God, getting in His presence, focusing on God, putting all our attention to God and saying, God, I want to hear from you. And then when we can hear His voice and we, we know what His presence feels like and we know when, when, when we hear Him talk, because we know that's God. And it gives us confidence to step out and use those gifts in people's lives. Let's be open to God, use me in those areas. Let's say, God, 
I take a step out next time I hear you talk to me. When, I, when my neighbor was not well, I, I felt I didn't know he was having a hard time, but I just felt I'm going to go visit my, my friend. And he said to me, yeah, I've got a test I've got to go to on Monday about something in my body. And I said, hey, can I pray for you? Prayed for him. When I saw him a couple of days later after the test, he said, how would your results go? He said, nothing wrong with me. Now, I can't be sure that he had something and God healed him, but I can be sure that God encouraged me to go talk to him, that I felt better go over and see my friend. Let's be, let's be used by God and see what he does. Because it's for all of us. It's for you. It's for me. The gifts of the Spirit's for you and me so that God can show people that he loves them. And the third thing is this. And the last word is witnesses. Now, to be a witness, if I can get the band up, please. To be a witness, you've got to actually experience something, don't you? You've got to actually have been there when something took place. That's why the apostles could be witnesses. Because they were there with Jesus. They were there hanging out with Jesus. They knew Jesus. And so they could be witnesses about how awesome he was, that he died on the cross, that he rose again. They could tell people about what he said, about all the miracles he did, because he was there. If you go to court and you're sitting in the dock and the lawyer says to you, what happened on the 15th of April? Uh, I wasn't there. My friend Jack was, and he told me all about it. Doesn't work. You're not really a witness. A witness is someone who's there in my life. I've shared my life was messed up. It was broken. I had no confidence. I was insecure, anxious, depressed, suicidal. Jesus came in and changed it all in one moment. Sure, I still had to battle with some of that stuff, but I was given hope. I was given vision. I was given a plan for my life. So when I go and talk to my friends, that's what I tell them. That's how I witness. Hey, you know, man, my life was pretty messed up. Then I say, why, why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Thanks for asking. Because my life was messed up and then I got saved and this is who I am now. All throughout this place, people have got similar stories. They could share about the awesome things God's done with them this week about the awesome things God's done with, for them this year, in their lifetime, what God did in their life when they were saved. That's how we witness to people. And the really awesome thing is that God promises us that with that witnessing comes power. We can rely on Him for power. My wife has to sit through question time with Parliament. I love just, I'm a bit of a politics nerd. I'll just sit there and I'll put on question time and sit there and watch politicians ask questions in Parliament. I watch the budget every year. I watch the budget reply. She's a lucky person, isn't she? Sometimes when I'm bored... I'll go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the Constitution of Australia. So I'll, I'll Google it on my phone and I'll start reading the Constitution. Or I'll go, 
You know what? What does the Governor General's powers have? So I'll start reading about the Governor General and the Constitution. And one of the interesting things about the Governor General is that he's a vice regal. Now, if you have a look in the Constitution, in fact, it's interesting that in the Constitution, the Prime Minister doesn't even exist in the Australian Constitution. It's just what's called political convention that he's there. But according to the Constitution, all the power sits in the Governor General. He just doesn't exercise it because of political convention. So he can do, in fact, he's more powerful than the President if he used it. He can veto votes, just like the President does. So if he gets a bill across his desk that he doesn't like it, he doesn't have to sign it. He's the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, but by convention the Prime Minister is. He can dissolve Parliament, which the President can't. He basically exercises the power of the Queen in Australia. See, the really cool thing about it, it's a great picture of us. Because of the Holy Spirit in our life, we exercise the authority and the power of Jesus in our world. We sit in our workplaces, we sit in our neighborhoods. We sit in our families, our street, our sporting clubs, our interest groups, pottery club, whatever you like to do, cricket. We sit in there as an ambassador for Jesus. We sit there as if we were Jesus in that world. We carry the same authority and power in our world. It is for you. It's for me. It's not just for the special, special minority. Let's all stand. One of the things that really attracted me to Pentecostalism when I got saved and I, start, and I started going to church, and, and the one thing that I really liked was exactly that, that this is for everyone. God can use me. When I was reading the Bible, if you have a look, Acts 2, that's the story of when the apostles and, and, uh, and 150 other believers get baptized in the Holy Spirit when they're empowered to be God's witnesses. And I read the story, and then there's another story a little bit later on, and it's in, it's in Acts 4, and, and they've just, it's, it's about Peter and John, and they've just healed the, the beggar. And then they have to go before the Sanhedrin because they did what they told them not to do. And then they get let free and they go back and they start to pray with all the other believers. And it says that when they finished praying, that the Holy Spirit came upon them in power and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's a cool thought. See, we don't just get filled with the Spirit once, we get filled with the Spirit over and over and over again. I don't just need one impartation from the Holy Spirit. I need it more and more and more. I can't lead, I can't serve, I can't minister, I can't be the light in my workplace without an over and over and over again touch from God. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.